Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. All right, a series of unfortunate events. Book the second, The Reptile Room, Chapter 10. When you were very small, perhaps someone read you the insipid story. The word insipid here means not worth reading to someone. Of the boy who cried wolf, a very dull boy who you may remember cried wolf when there was no wolf. And the gullible villagers ran to, the rescue, ran to rescue him only to find the whole thing was a joke. Then he cried wolf and it wasn't a joke and the villagers didn't come running and the boy was eaten and the story, thank goodness, was over. I do remember that story when I was a kid. Has anybody ever told you that story? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh, yeah. <clears throat> the story's moral, of course, ought to be never live somewhere where there are wolves running around loose. <laughs> but whoever read you, whoever read you the story probably told you that the moral was not to lie. This is an absurd moral, for you and I both know that sometimes it is not only good to lie, it is necessary to lie. For example, it was perfectly appropriate after Violet left the reptile room for Sunday to crawl or for Sunny to crawl over to the cage and that held the incredibly deadly viper, unlatch the cage, and begin screaming as loudly as she could, even though nothing was really wrong. There's another story concerning wolves, which somebody has probably read to you, which is just as absurd. I'm talking about Little Red Riding Hood, an extremely unpleasant little girl who, like the boy, cried wolf, insisted on intruding in the territory of dangerous animals. You'll recall that the wolf, after being treated very rudely by Red Riding Hood, ate the little girl's grandmother and put her clothing on as a disguise. It is as it is this aspect of the story that is most ridiculous because one would think that even the little girl as dim-witted as Little Red Riding Hood could tell in an instant the difference between her grandmother and a wolf disguised in a nightgown and and fuzzy slippers. Is the puppy, what are you doing here? Come here, buddy. Come on, over here. Come here. You gonna lay down? Okay. Ah, fuzzy slippers. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if he's gonna bring that up too. If if you know somebody very well, like your grandmother, then or your baby sister, then you're going to know when they're real and when they're fake. This is why, as Sunny began to scream, Violet and Klaus could tell immediately that her scream is absolutely fake. That scream is absolutely fake, Klaus said to himself from the other end of the reptile room. That scream is absolutely fake, Violet said to herself from the stairs as she went up to her room. My lord, something must be terrible wrong, Mr. Post said to himself from the kitchen where he was talking on the phone. Goodbye, he said to the receiver and hung up as he ran out of the kitchen to see what was the matter. What is the matter, Mr. Poe asked Stefano and Dr. Lucafont, who had finished unloading their suitcases and were entering their house. I heard some screaming coming from the reptile room. I'm sure it's nothing, Stefano said. You know how children are, Dr. Lucafont said. 
I swear, we're, we're changing the name of this podcast to Reading with Dogs. This is like almost comical how much little tiny noise is everywhere. Oh my God. All right. Um, we can't have another tragedy on our hands, said Mr. Poe, and rushed to the enormous door of the reptile room. Children, children, in here, Klaus cried. Come quickly. His voice was rough and low, and anyone who didn't know Klaus would think that he was very frightened. But if you did know Klaus, however, you would know that when he was very frightened, his voice became tense and squeaky, as it did when he discovered Uncle Monty's body. His voice became rough and low when he was trying not to laugh. It is a very good thing that Klaus managed not to laugh as Mr. Poe, Stefano, and Dr. Lucafont came into the reptile room. It would have spoiled everything. Sunny was lying down on the marble floor, her tiny arms and legs waving wildly as if she were trying to swim. Her facial expressions were what made Klaus want to chuckle. Sunny's mouth was wide open, showing her four sharp teeth, and her eyes were blinking rapidly. She was trying to appear to be very frightened. If you didn't know Sunny, it would mean it would it would have seemed genuine. But Klaus did know Sunny, and he knew that when she was very frightened, her face grew a puckered grew all puckered and silent, as it did when Stefano had threatened to cut off one of her toes. To <clears throat> to anyone but Klaus, Sunny looked as if she was very frightened, particularly because of who she was with. For wrapped around Sunny's small body was a snake as dark as coal mine and as thick as a sewer pipe. It was looking at Sunny with green, shiny eyes, and its mouth was open as if it were about to bite her. The incredibly deadly viper, Klaus cried. It's going to bite her, Klaus screamed. And Sunny opened her mouth and her eyes even wider to seem even more scared. Dr. Luca Font's mouth opened too, and Klaus saw him start to say something, but he was unable to find the words. Stefano, who of course was not to have, a care, have cared about Sunny's well-being, at least looked surprised, but it was Mr. Poe who absolutely panicked. There are two basic types of panicking. Standing still and not saying a word and leaping all over the place, babbling to anything anything that comes to your head. Mr. Poe was beep, leaping and babbling. Klaus and Sonny never seen the banker move so quickly in such a high-pitched voice. Goodness, he cried. Golly, good God, bless Allah. Jesus, hell, Hera, Mary, Marion, Joseph, Nathal, Hawthorne, don't touch her. Grab her. Move closer. Run away. Don't move. Kill the snake. Leave it alone. Give it some food. Don't bite her. Leave it away. Here, snakey. Here, snakey. The incredibly deadly viper listened patiently to Mr. Poe's speech, never taking his eyes off of Sonny. And when Mr. Poe paused to cough into his handkerchief, he leaned over and bit Sonny on the chin, right where he had bitten her when the two friends had first met. Klaus tried not to grin, but Dr. Lucafont gasped, and Son Stefano stared, and Mr. Poe began leaping and babbling again. It's bitten her, he cried. It's bitten her, it's bitten her. Calm down, get moving. Call an ambulance, call the police, call scientists, call my wife. This is terrible, this is awful, this is ghastly, this is phantomical. This is... There's nothing to worry about, Stefano interrupted smoothly. What do you mean, nothing to worry about, Mr. Poe asked incredulously. Sonny was just bitten by, what's the name of that snake, Klaus? The incredibly deadly viper, Klaus answered promptly. The incredibly deadly viper, Mr. Poe repeated, pointing to the snake as it held on to Sonny's chin with its teeth. Sonny gave another fake shriek of fear. How can you say it's nothing to worry about? 
Because the incredibly deadly viper is completely harmless, Stefano said. Calm yourself, Mr. Poe. The snake's name is a mis a misnomer that Miss Dr. Montgomery created for his own amusement. Are you sure, Mr. Poe asked? His voice got a little lower, and he moved a bit more slowly as he began to calm down. Of course I'm sure, Stefano said, and Klaus recognized a look on his face remembering from the living room at Count Olaf's house. It was a look of sheer vanity, a word here which means Count Olaf was thinking that he is the most incredible person who had ever lived. When the Baudelaire orphans had been under Olaf's care, he had often acted this way, always happy to show off his skills, whether he was on stage or with his atrocious theater company or up in his tower making nasty plans. Stefano smiled and continued to speak to Mr. Poe, eager to show off. This snake is perfectly harmless, friendly even. I read up on the incredibly deadly viper and many other snakes in the library section of the reptile room, as well as Dr. Montgomery's private papers. Dr. Lucafont cleared his throat. Uh, boss, he said. Don't interrupt me, Dr. Lucafont, Stefano said. I studied books in all the major species. I looked carefully in sketches and charts. I looked carefully and took notes and looked at them all each and every night before I went to sleep. If I may say so, I consider myself to be quite the expert in snakes. Ah, ah, Sunny cried disdainingly herself from the incredibly deadly viper. Sunny you're unharmed, Mr. Poe said. Aha, Sonny cried again and pointed to Stefano. The incredibly deadly viper blinked its green eyes triumphantly. Mr. Poe looked at Klaus puzzled. What does your sister mean by aha? Klaus sighed. He felt sometimes as if he had spent half of his life explaining things to Mr. Poe. By aha, he said, she means, oh, one minute. Stefano claims that he knows nothing about snakes, and the next he comes to be an expert. By aha, she means, we finally exposed his dishonesty to you. By aha, she means, aha.